All right, everybody, welcome to episode four of the Future Money Show. Today, we do a deep dive into blockchain technology and Ethereum. It's a really informative podcast that we take a listener from beginner knowledge on blockchain technology and Ethereum to a little bit more advanced of an understanding of what Ethereum is. And then at the end, we compare it to some other projects and blockchain technologies that we like and that we see are popular. But without further ado, it's a really great episode. So enjoy. This is the Future Money Show. Okay, well, hopping right into it. When trying to understand Ethereum and these different uh, technologies, it's first important to start with just a basic understanding of what blockchain technology even is. So we can start with trying to explain that. At its most basic and simplest level, blockchain technology is just a, a ledger and a list of transactions uh, that anyone can view and verify. So you can kind of think of it like every time someone sends uh, on, let's say on the Bitcoin blockchain, anytime someone sends a Bitcoin to anybody, that is a transaction that gets listed on the ledger and anyone can view and verify it. It's public. So it kind of eliminates the need for a middleman. So yeah, in its basic form, that is what blockchain technology is. Now, in the world today, we kind of need a centralized authority to do things. So for example, if we want to count votes, a centralized authority to, to collect the votes and count them and, and tally them up. But on a blockchain, it will keep track of all those transactions and it can do that for you. So there's no need for someone to be counting it. It, already, it does it within the blockchain. Is there anything else you'd want to add to like what blockchain technology is? I'm going to let you take that. Uh, yeah, oh, I think that's I think that's a good way to describe it, at least uh, that people can understand that in its simplest form, it's just a list of transactions that everyone can see. So some of the benefits of it, it, it can it's global, so it can stuff can be sent and transactions can be done all across the world really fast and cheaply. Uh, unlike the dollar, for example, if you want to send money to someone in Japan, you're going to have to get it exchanged. Uh, to one and you're going to have to go through a bank, which are all going to charge fees and it's going to be very slow to get there. So it's, it's expensive and slow to use banks and have a middleman. So this kind of eliminates that. Another benefit might be increased privacy. So when you use Bitcoin, you don't need to put all your personal information in there to, to send, to buy or to convert or use, use it at all. Whereas, you know, if you want to use a bank, you got to put all of your, your secure information in there. So it's all subject to, to getting hacked or stolen. And it's, it's a lot more private on a blockchain. You're uh, also putting all the control in the bank's hands, basically, you know, like versus with blockchain. I mean, yes, you can see every transaction that's on the block. However, you know, if you're holding your private keys, you're responsible for your asset, basically. Yeah, like you, you actually own your assets versus in a bank, right? We give them our money and they hold a small percentage of it and then they lend out the rest. Whereas in, in, in crypto and in these blockchains, you actually do own what you have depending on where you buy it. Uh, a third benefit might be that uh, it's very open. So there's not a lot of room for manipulation of the transactions because everybody can see them. So I mean, it's not saying that there's not money laundering or things like that going around. It's saying that there's no manipulation of the transactions. Like for example, in banks, if I deposit my money at five o'clock, six o'clock at night, 
it will not be deposited until the next day, right? They're manipulating the transaction so that they can make a little bit more interest overnight. It's, it's And it's during hours. So that's how they manipulate a transaction to make a little bit of profit. So if there's no third party, then you know your money gets deposited instantly and it's yours and they're not manipulating it. Not saying that there's not manipulation in the market, guys, because there definitely is. He's just talking about from a transaction from a transaction perspective that you can't really manipulate the transaction itself the way that banks do. Yeah, yeah, for, exactly, exactly. It's like a, it's a twenty four hour decentralized market is kind of the goal of blockchain, which is like you don't need to worry about who's working. It's all run by computers on a blockchain and and can be done at any time. A lot of people think the the internet is already decentralized. You know, that that's a thought that I've heard, I've heard. When you hear like, oh, we're gonna have a decentralized internet and Web three, my first thought was, you know, what is the internet now? Then uh, it's not decentralized because if you think about it, when you want to go on website or buy things or create a website, you have to go through a third party. There's no other option. You can go through Google, Amazon, Facebook. Those are all examples of third party, third parties that you can go through to access the internet or to participate in it. If you want to participate in the internet, you got to make a site on, you know, Shopify or, or you can, you know, make a social media page, but those are all through third parties. So, yeah. So decentralization would be able to connect people like social media does or like websites do, but not through a third party. Um, they'll be able to directly connect to each other, which is pretty interesting. I think it has so many different applications just throughout the world, like so many. For example, um, if you, for, for Uber, for example, that's a good example. Uber, uh, if you want to get a ride somewhere, you don't have a car and you want to get a ride, you're, unless you can't call a friend uh, and you want to pay for it. You have to go through a third party like Uber. You got to get the app and you got to go through the thing and order from them. And they're going to charge a service fee. And they're going to upcharge you a ton. So they make a profit and the driver gets a little bit. Uh, but in a decentralized system, you would be able to buy that guy's, ideally in a decentralized system, you'd be able to buy that driver's services directly from him. You would not need Uber because <laughs> you, you wouldn't need it. Now, it's not to say that in the future, all these companies are going to be gone. They'll absolutely figure out ways to, to adapt to, yeah, for to sure. adapt to Web3. But just trying to understand what blockchain technology is, that's kind of the idea, that the seller and buyer can connect directly with each other. Another uh, example might be Dropbox. So Dropbox, you pay for hardware space. Um, to store things on, you wouldn't need Dropbox if you could just purchase hardware space from anybody. Um, True. And, and, there were, and everybody was selling their own extra space because everybody True. would do that if you could. You know, if you're not using your space and you could make an extra buck off it, you probably would. And again, there's no, there's a lot less of a risk of your personal information getting stolen um, when it's stored on a blockchain versus, you know, something run by, us or banks, for example. So I guess that I, I feel like that was gave a little bit of a description on what 
blockchain technology is. So we could probably start to un uh, explain what specifically Ethereum is. So Paul just explained to you guys basically what blockchain technology is. Um, so what we're going to do for this episode, and we will do a few episodes like this. I know that we have like the open platform episodes that we did for the first two episodes, but we will have episodes that we do deep dives into the major projects in the space, just so you guys get a better understanding of how these things work. I mean, because we've explained what blockchain technology is, you might just be like, okay, yeah, or why do I care? But then if we go and explain what Ethereum is, which is exactly what we're going to do today from A to Z, you'd be like, oh, okay, I kind of want to know how Ethereum works because there's so many things built on Ethereum's platform. So Paul's going to explain the pros and cons or the pros of Ethereum. I'll explain the cons and he's just, we're just going to take a deep dive into Ethereum and hopefully you guys can get some value out we're going to share today. Yeah, I think this would be cool. So to start, I think we need to explain what Ethereum is. So Ethereum is a blockchain, just like Bitcoin is and many others. Uh, it's its own blockchain and it was brought to life in 2014. It was conceptualized by this dude named Vitalik Buterin. He, he most people know who he is if you're in the crypto space. It's a funny guy. Likes cats. Yeah, he likes cats. <laughs> he needs to be fed also. It looks like he doesn't eat, but it's okay. Yeah, he's so skinny. Uh, it's funny. He was actually a World of Warcraft player. This is how it's, this is one of his inspirations for Ethereum. He was a World of Warcraft player, level 60, spent hours every day doing it. He was one of the best in the game. And one day, World of Warcraft, the company changed the items in the games and kind of changed the rules around. And he was then on the bottom and he, all the time he had spent getting there was kind of ruined. And he got so mad that just that somebody who owned this game could just change the rules and he loses everything he worked for. He was so mad that that happened. It's almost like a centralized system that he wanted to create something like Ethereum where no one could change the rules of the game and, and that everything was fair and decentralized. So that's, it's kind of funny. That was just a little tidbit on the, the inspiration on that he said. But uh, it went live in 2015. Um, and like I said, it's similar to Bitcoin, but it's a bit different. Yes, they can both be used as per se. Of, like Bitcoin is, is mostly just a currency, uh, whereas Ethereum is programmable. It's, it's, uh, this means that it's more than just payments between uh, parties like Bitcoin would be or a store of value. Uh, it's actually a platform. So it's, it's a marketplace and a platform where different things can be built on top of. So it, financial services, uh, games, different applications that have like, you know, lots of different applications and all of those applications, financial services and games can't steal your data and they can't, you know, censor you and they can't control what you, what you do. So that's kind of the difference between web Two and three also is that on Ethereum, for example, when you build an app, uh, there's no third party that can you know censor you or tell you how to run your thing because it's a decentralized network. So yeah, it's programmable. Uh, that means that different applications can be built on it. So there's been a f there's been lots, there's thousands that have been built on top of Ethereum. Many of them are very very useful. Uh, one, for example, is Uniswap. It's just one that comes to mind. Uh, Uniswap allows you to, to you know, swap between different, uh, different currencies. 
um, seamlessly. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, for those that probably use BNB network, uh, Binance's network, you guys probably use PancakeSwap to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So similar, similar kind of thing. Yeah, there's a few different, you know, there's a few different apps that do that. But Uniswap is one that came to mind that's built on top of Ethereum. Uh, another one is top 100. Mm-hmm, another one is Compound. That's a really, that's a really big one. That one allows you to to stake some of your assets and earn APY on them. Uh, but those are just two utilities that these the applications built on top of Ethereum have been able to do. Now the applications and the utilities that will apply throughout our whole world are endless. Anything could be built on Ethereum for the most part. And that's why when people say, you know, I just don't see crypto, you know, replacing the dollar, they're kind of missing a lot of what crypto even is because, you know, it's, it's not a currency, at least Ethereum is not a currency. It's a, it's a infrastructure that's being, it's, it's supposed to be the infrastructure of web three where everybody can interact and build on top of it. It's a platform. Not to say it can't be used as a currency, I guess, but um, Ethereum is, is, should be separated. Like the Ethereum blockchain should be separated from Ether, the coin, because they are different. So yeah, it's kind of, Ethereum's kind of the do-it-yourself platform for, for these applications, right? So it's open source. Anyone can build on them also. So they aren't trying to limit who can go and build on top of them. Anyone can. And in order yeah. to- yeah and it takes five minutes five to ten minutes to build a client at Ethereum's network it really doesn't take that long mm-hmm. it's not that hard no it's no. very easy to do yeah that's why you have so many pump and dumps on Ethereum's network yeah but anyways, sure. yeah uh in order to make one of these applications I, you just like yeah it's not you can make a coin really easily if you want to make like a full-on like utility-based application that's has a lot of um i guess utility then you just have to learn Ethereum has its own programming language, which, you know, the devs learn and it's called solidarity or the solidity, I think, um, not solidarity. Okay. So, so now that you guys understand uh, a little bit about what Ethereum is about what blockchain technology is, we're going to dig a little deeper and really explain how Ethereum works on the bottom line. So Ethereum works on something called smart contracts. Now, what smart contracts are, they're simply just a program that's stored on the blockchain that runs when like certain preconditions are met. So for example, this is just a kind of trying to, this is an analogy. So in real life, when you pay rent to your landlord, you have to, your landlord has to ask for your rent, you collect it, you send it to him. Um, There's, and you know, that's how it works. Well, let's just say, for example, that smart contract was built on top of Ethereum and it wasn't just your lease. The computer would know if you had sent your rent. Ethereum would know because it has verified transactions and it, it wouldn't let you in the door until you did. There's no landlord that's needed. There's no person that needs to be watching over and make sure you pay. Uh, pay your rent. <laughs> yeah, so it's basically just think about contracts that are built on blockchain. So therefore it's verified on the blockchain, making it way more secure than you know, signing a paper with somebody. So in order for everything to be secure and for those transactions and contracts to be verified, there's a lot of computers needed. 
So on Ethereum, at the current moment, there are thousands of computers all around the world that are constantly running uh, in these transactions and, and verifying them. And they're rewarded with ETH for doing so. So every time they get to verify a transaction, it, it's they were rewarded with ETH. So because there's so many verifiers and so many computers all over, it's not on one system. So if one goes out, it, the whole thing doesn't go down. Like for example, if Google's infrastructure went out, you know, a huge portion of the internet would be affected. If one of these things, one of these computers goes out, it doesn't have a huge effect because there's thousands. So these computers, they're called nodes uh, in the crypto world. So these nodes, they, when they, they're encouraged to provide accurate information because they're rewarded with ETH for doing so. And there's two main methods uh, called proof of work, and proof of stake that blockchains use to ensure that the information and the transaction being validated are actually, uh, are actually true and secure. So I was gonna have DQ here uh, explain you know, the two and how they work. Well, Paul is basically explaining the mechanics behind Ethereum. So you, right now, Ethereum runs on something called proof of work. Uh, when they switch to Ethereum 2.0, it will change the proof of stake. But right now, it runs on a proof of work system. So basically, the proof of work system, what it is to add to each block on the chain, you have something called miners. Miners must com uh, compete to solve diff a difficult puzzle, basically, using their computer's processing power. So Paul kind of highlighted that. In order to add a malicious block, you'd have to have a computer more powerful than 51% of the network. So, I mean, that's also a thing about proof of work. Proof of work is subject to a 51% attack or a 50% attack. But the first miner to solve the puzzle is who is given the reward for their work. Uh, Paul, you could probably explain that a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, it's kinda like yeah. how they, they basically, when a transaction happens, and proof of work, all of the computers and miners all around the world all compete to try and do it the fastest, to try and find the code the fastest. And whoever gets it the fastest is rewarded with that, with verifying that transaction. And then they're rewarded with, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever it is. Exactly. And I mean, we'll explain the cons in a little bit uh, after we explain what, what, what the two differences are. So Ethereum 2.0 is switching to proof of stake for some of the cons of proof of work, basically. Uh, the difference, like the major difference between proof of stake and proof of work is there's no competition because it's uh, the, sorry, the block is now, the block creator is now chosen by the algorithm based on the user's stake, if that makes sense, basically. So the bigger your stake is, the more higher of a chance that the algorithm will choose you. In order to add the malicious block, you'd have to own 51% of all the cryptocurrency on the network, which realistically not possible because of how big the network is. So there's no reward for making a block. The reward, uh, sorry, the block creator takes a transaction fee. For me, proof of stake is way better than proof of work. It's more sustainable. Uh, it's also more equal in my opinion. It's also safer. Because like I said, hackers would have to have 51% of the network in order to in order to really make a difference. Proof of stake systems are also far more energy efficient than proof of work. 
uh the only difference is they're less reliable so uh the term that we said earlier mining a lot of people probably know what mining is right because you mine bitcoin you can mine the helium tokens which a lot of people started to do this year uh and you can mine ethereum the thing about it is they take up a lot of energy so with a proof of stake system you're eliminating majority of that mining now what people don't know is majority of mining that was happening was coming out of mining farms in china so that's also something that people didn't really realize and with a heavy push for climate change and for us i guess being more conscious of using so much energy proof of stake is a better system for ethereum to be on <clears throat> yeah it's, it's i think one of the biggest downsides of proof of work is that the especially in our current times is how environmentally not friendly it is. If you think yeah. about it, right, if all of these computers all around the world in proof of work are competing to try and get the code the fastest so that they can verify the transaction, it's gonna be the fastest and most up-to-date and modern computers who are able to do that, right? So, and they're gonna be using the most electricity. So, you know, it's, it's constantly a battle of upgrading your, your computer so it's faster so you can beat out all the other systems, which causes a lot of, you know, energy uses. So in proof of stake, it would be, you know, if you want to be a validator in, in, in Ethereum 2.0, you're going to need to have, you're going to need to stake minimum 32 Ethereum, which is a yeah. lot of money. That's a lot of money. So, but if, if you have 32 Ethereum, then you could be a validator. And it's going to be, you'll be chosen kind of based off of how much money you've staked, how many, how much ETH you've staked in general. So yeah. Like, ba I, like basically like for instance, I guess, sorry for rambling, but I guess the better way to put it is, so you have minor A who would stake 30 coins, minor B who would stake 50 and minor C who would stake 75 coins. So you got 30, 50, 75 minor C is most likely who the algorithm is going to is going to choose because they have the bigger stake mm -hmm. than minor A and B. That's basically how it would work. Yeah. So my, so minor C would collect the transaction fees, i.e. the the network fees, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh. So yeah, that's what that's the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. So yeah, like he said, Ethereum right now proof of work. They're hoping to upgrade to Ethereum 2.0 in which they'll switch to proof of stake and they're saying it'll be a lot more environmentally friendly stuff like that you know whenever whether that happens. I, yeah whether, whether that will happen will be a, a whole nother discussion but uh there's a lot of good things about Ethereum as well I'll just talk a little bit about there, there's a lot of blockchains out there and there's a lot of hype between a lot of them so I think it, it would be good to talk about you know what does Ethereum have what's the hype behind it because it is the biggest or one of the, the second biggest in, in the platform or in the crypto world. It's the uh, altcoin king. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are Ethereum maximalists, you know, so we'll we'll see. But yeah, like the SEC. SEC no. is Ethereum maximalists. <laughs> That's a clip. Clip that. <laughs> That's a clip. Uh okay. So one pro when I was researching it that I thought was very interesting was actually let's start with this one this one's better the, the the main pro for ethereum is that the ecosystem is already so large so it was first to market and all these applications and developers and massive massively successful and 
projects that are already being built on on ethereum maybe because it was simply the first to market it's too big too big to fail yeah so there's just like utility that's being created on the ethereum network that you know can't be matched in some of these other ones like for example a lot there's a lot of hype around solana well like none of these other blockchains even compare to how much is already built on ethereum uh so that would be and on top of that because they already have so much and they're probably not going anywhere there's there's a lot of room for ethereum to grow and innovate are you a are you a maxi <laughs> no i'm not but this is definitely a pro you know like there's a lot of room for improvement you know where they have a lot of space and room to grow whereas some of these other coins who don't already have all these projects built on top of them might not have i agree i agree with that see all right i'm just gonna say guys so paul and i have different opinions uh when it comes to this subject just a little bit i mean we do agree on a lot but this is a thing where like at least with us in our channel that we can have disagreements and talk about it he made a good very, very good point not to cut him off but he made a very good point about like some of these networks not being as big as as ethereum i agree with that point but a lot of these products are way better than ethereum but i will i'll give my perspective on that when paul's done listing all the all the pros of it i just got one i mean there's a lot of there are cons there's a lot of cons that i, I found but I only found one other big pro and you might not even think it's that big of a pro, but I'm curious to hear what you think about this. So in, in a lot of these blockchains and coins, it's important to look at when it first started and launched, what was the split and who could get it right? Like, was it public and how much did the, the software developers and the developers give to themselves? It's really important. Cause if you see a coin that, they, they launched it and they're talking all this utility and how it's going to change the world. And you see that they kept 80% of their coins in the beginning. And so there, it just shows you that they have a selfish mindset and, and, you know, obviously the developers should get some, but it's good to look at how much, right. And a lot of these coins are like that. They're 50%, 60% uh, going to the devs and then, you know, 20% going to their close friends or whatever it is where in Ethereum, when it launched, anyone stick could buy your, it. Stick a pin right there. Because it's funny that you said that because Ethereum did something similar as well. Now, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm going to have to find the article. Yeah, yeah. But you know the Vitalik gave someone like, I think it was 1 million Ethereum or something like that at a dollar each. Yeah, well, see, in the beginning, it was worth nothing. And it it was no, 80% like, of it, 80% of it from what I, from my, I don't understand. I don't know if you've heard a different number, but 80% was public sale. So 80% of Ethereum, anyone, you, me, you know, mom, dad, anyone could have bought it, which is huge. And then the, no, the other sure. 20%, 100%. which is a lot now, if you think like if you had 20% of it now, like that's insane, but then 20% of it was given to devs and probably close friends like you're talking about. Uh, yeah, that was, that was insane. But like, I know other ones like um, I can't, I should have done more research on the other ones, but most of them that I was seeing were at, at least around 50%. And, and that's like really high. So that's, I feel like another pro of ETH is maybe the devs had the right thing in mind in the beginning. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe that's why it caught on as much as it did. 
and for not, sure not a different one but um i guess that was just one other pro i saw it the, the first one that i gave just the ecosystem being so big is the main pro for ethereum absolutely 100 um, percent. but yeah what are some cons that that you think about let me say this before i get into the cons yeah i agree with with you on the fact that ethereum is a massive 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 project and there's a lot of good things about ethereum the only thing that i'm gonna say is the longer they take to switch to the proof of stake system is the more fuel it's going to give to some of these other projects that are competing against it sure. now i don't think i don't think they'll overtake ethereum but they're going to give it a run for its money because mm -hmm. there are projects that have dethroned ethereum in every bull run I and mean, that's just a fact xrp is one of them xrp is the only coin actually that has reached Ethereum's market cap in two previous bull runs. So it has the ability to do it. But now that you have Web3 becoming very big and you're talking like in your everyday life now, because Web3 was a thing that only people that were in tune with tech were talking about. But now everybody's talking about Web3 and starting to understand what Web3 means. So now you have these projects that are leaving Ethereum's blockchain and now becoming their own. Like, and Ethereum has projects that are on, that are on, that is on their blockchain right now that are monster, monster, monster projects. Like, I'm not going to go into them, but you have Quant that's on Ethereum's blockchain. Quant is a monster of a project. Look that up. The code is QNT. Look it up and just read their white paper. You have Alliance Block that's on Ethereum's platform. Polymath that's on Ethereum's platform. Just look look those projects up. Those projects are insane. Polymath is cool. Yeah, for sure. The thing, I, uh, so me and Paul were talking off camera uh, earlier today about uh, a token called ENS. So it's uh, Ethereum name services, right? So for those that follow, like for, for those that are on Twitter actively and so on and so forth, you might've started seeing that a lot of your influencers or athletes are starting to put their name .eth. So they're purchasing their, the, an ETH domain, basically, which is only going to grow the ecosystem, obviously. So you have Nike, which we talked about in previous episodes. They're entering now the metaverse and they're entering the world of crypto. So Nike has their .eth um, domain. They own that. I think they bought it for 10 years. That's probably like, 20 grand right there you got um shack shack's thing is shack.eth everyone knows who shack is shack's shack diesel um <clears throat> like almost everything you could think of you got uh facebook had to buy meta off of someone i can't remember how much it was that they paid for it but someone had already made meta.eth or whatever so they had to pay for it to get it back but you have walmart that has it adidas that has it a bunch of other other major companies that you can probably think of have already purchased theirs, but yet they are all going .eth. But when I'm looking at the length that they're buying these domains for, because you buy them, you can buy them yearly or you can buy them however long you want. When I see some of these companies that have them for five to 10 years, it's just telling you where they think the space is going to go. And they're they're 10 times smarter than than me. Like, and that, so they have a better better inclination as to where this where the space is going to go and the fact that they're building it on ethereum tells me that okay ethereum is here to stay but the biggest con in the ethereum space is the gas fees i can't remember 
Yeah, no, they're terrible. So I can't bad. remember who it was. They spent a million dollars on a gas fee to send something like I think it was like ten grand. Or like you'll buy, you could buy an NFT on Ethereum for that's five hundred dollars, and you're gonna pay a, yeah. a five hundred dollar gas fee sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like you're just yeah. gonna pay literally a hundred percent more. <laughs> it's so it's so stupid. Oh, here we go. A crypto exchange spent twenty four million dollars on a gas fee for a hundred thousand dollar transaction. Yeah, yeah. So like, but then just so bad they got lucky because the miner decided to return it but think about that okay. i want to spend that i want to send a hundred thousand but i'm spending 24 million to send this hundred thousand yeah that it's ridiculous sometimes you'll yeah. you'll pay more for the like you're saying whatever you're buying you'll pay more for the fee than what it actually no costs. exactly exactly and i mean when the network gets congested too is it's ridiculous but the gas fees is the major killer like to be honest i don't even need to list any more cons because <laughs> the gas fees alone everyone's right. gonna be like oh yeah i know what you're talking about bro i know what you're talking about yeah i mean then, i i i like it it makes me hesitate to do things on ethereum i i hesitate to buy even ethereum coins or because i'll buy an ethereum coin and i gotta send it to my you know my ledger and that's gonna cost 50 bucks and bro and it or, or if I want to send it from, I have storing Cardano somewhere, or no, not Cardano. If, if I wanted to send my Uniswap, which I had on my Coinbase wallet, I was going to move that over to my ledger. It cost me like $75. So just get it there. And it really like makes me hesitate on even buying those coins because it just sucks. It's just cut away at your profit like that already. Bro, it's ridiculous. Like, uh, I guess the best example for me, um, so I used to, I was buying VeChain for a long time, like maybe two, two years ago, three, two years ago, what, 2019, right? Mm -hmm. I was buying VeChain when VeChain was very, very low. One of my, one of my, uh, one of my really good friends suggested VeChain to me, like sub, sub one penny. But when VeChain first came out, it functioned on Ethereum's blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. And then they transitioned to their own. So that was like oh, the best, best thing. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. A lot of these major projects that are built on Ethereum will transition over to their own because there's a coin called XDC as well, which is an ISO coin. They've transitioned over to their own and they used to be a, a Ethereum based token as well. But when I used to lose so much money on gas when it came to VeChain, so when they finally switched over to their to their own um their own blockchain, they made me so happy because I'm not losing anything anymore. Mm -hmm. It just makes life a lot easier. And to be honest, I guess that's why a lot of people are now starting to use Solana. A lot of athletes are using Solana now to release their NFTs on because the transaction fees are are, are nothing, and it's faster, more efficient. Like it's it's just way better. So yeah, I guess this would be a good good time to switch into talking about some of the other ones like Solana from my understanding let, correct me if I'm wrong I don't know if you know the answer but Solana is almost like a centralized blockchain is that true like it's like Ethereum is has let's say thousands of computers all over running and thousands of nodes so it's for truly now, a yeah. for now for now it's a decentralized system Solana is kind of I believe they just kind of have supercomputers that kind of just do it all in a centralized system. 
I think that's what Solana is, but I know, for example, there are blockchains that are like that. So that would be one difference that some of the other ones have uh, or so, how, how they verify, whether it's thousands of computers or one, one supercomputer or whatever it is. Okay, so like my, my favorite, like, all right, so I have a top five favorite coins that I have. And one of them in that top five is Hedera Hashgraph. I've mentioned them in previous videos. So Hedera, for example, they operate across the Hashgraph consensus algorithm, right? And they're publicly distributed, uh, publicly distributed ledger, and a government governing body designed to support new and existing decentralized applications at a larger scale. So, they, in their own way, they how can I say this? They have a special way of running their blockchain in comparison to the proof of work system that Ethereum currently runs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the some of these different coins have different ways of going about it. Not proof of work or proof of stake is what you're saying, and you know you can judge those yourself and judge their validity but that would be important to look into when looking at different blockchains so to like continue about hedera basically to understand it in a better way i just have to pull up an article here um yeah we do do our own research but i just don't want to give you guys incorrect information yeah. Um, so to understand the algorithm in a better way, Hashgraph changes the concept of pruning in blockchains and puts forth the concept of weaving in the distri uh, distributed ledger technology. Hashgraph controls the branches of the blocks by putting them back into the ledger's body, ensuring that nothing goes out of the control across the blockchain. Ethereum is a basic proof of work mechanism that uh, selects a single miner for choosing the next block of the blockchain, which we explained earlier. However, Hashgraph has changed this concept within the Hashgraph consensus algorithm. The project believes in an agreement of the community of nodes running across the Hashgraph over which they shall be allowed to add a transaction across the ledger. This collective approach has been countered with the gossip about gossip and virtual voting mechanism, basically. Now, the thing, one of the selling points to me about Hedera is their partnerships. Now they have some of the biggest partnerships that you can ever think of in the space. They're partnered with IBM. Now everyone should, that's in like this kind of world should know who IBM is. Our dad used to work for IBM. Yeah. So like that, that's, that's, that stuck out to me. They also have partnerships with NASA, Google, and that kind of thing. Now uh, Hedera runs on a third generation public ledger. Uh, so first generation would be Bitcoin. Second generation would be Ethereum and third generation is now Hedera. Now I'm just going to list you a couple of things about Hedera that puts it in my eyes ahead of Ethereum. So the transaction speed per second for Hedera is 10,000 TPS versus Ethereum's 12 TPS. <laughs> oh, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the average fee of a Bitcoin transaction is around 2250 USD, which we know is not true. It's definitely higher than that. And the average price of an Ethereum transaction fee is $20 US. We also know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. But the price of a Hedera um, transaction is 0 0.001. It's a penny. It's a fraction of a penny. Jeez is what you pay for a Hedera transaction. So, and then you know your transaction confirmation, a Bitcoin transaction can take anywhere from 10 minutes to a few hours. Uh, Ethereum transaction takes anywhere between 10 to 20 seconds to five minutes, but you have Hedera's transactions which take three to five seconds with when, when finalized, three to five seconds. 
And then the biggest thing that I said, because of the way that the world is headed right now, the energy per usage. So Bitcoin, to do one Bitcoin transaction is you basically using a month's worth of electricity in your house, to put it in perspective. Ethereum is about an eighth of that, which is still a lot of electricity. It's like you in your room, you're powering your room. Like take this room, for example, I keep my lights on for a whole month. I have the rest of the house with no lights on, but just this room with all the lights on, that's how much energy it uses. And then Hedera uses 10,000th of a percent of the energy that Ethereum uses. (laughs) It's very green, very energy efficient, and it's a lot faster. Yeah. So they're also partnered with LG. They're partnered with Boeing. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty big. Chainlink Labs, like, I mean, Deutsche yeah, Bank. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Like, these are all things that people, that you guys can compare and contrast uh, between blockchains, all the, all the different things he's talking about, transaction speeds, how green it is, who they're partnered with. Uh, do they use proof of stake, proof of work? Do they have their own type of system like Hedera does? Uh, all of these things are different ways you can compare and contrast, you know, different blockchains. And, you know, DQs, I haven't done a whole ton of uh, research on Hedera, but it sounds like, sounds legit. Um, I'm definitely going to learn more about it. Yeah. I know he's all in on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I got a bag. <laughs> all in Hedera. <laughs> all in Hedera. Hedera, me, I proposed to her a while back, so it's all good. We appreciate you guys lasting with us this long. We know we gave you guys some boring information, but hopefully you guys liked what we were talking about. Like we said, we definitely are going to do some more deep dives into some of these projects because we would be doing you guys a disservice if we didn't let you know about the information behind these assets that you want to invest in. So with that being said, because we spoke about Ethereum, some of its competitors, we talked about pros and cons and how it works. Uh, Paul and I are going to give you guys a couple of coins to look into. We're not going to give any description, like deep description into any of them. We're just saying these coins are coins that have strong blockchains and our competitors with Ethereum or even on Ethereum's blockchain, then you guys should probably take a look into them as well. So Paul, I'll say his and then I'll say mine after. Sure. Yeah. The first one I'm going to give is Solana. I think everybody's been hearing the word Solana been thrown around in this world and in the crypto world. There's a lot of big NFT projects and and just big things like we were talking about, uh, I don't know if it was last podcast, the one before, but Jordan building his his platform air on there so i think take a look at solana that's a really cool project um the other one that i've been holding for a long time is cardano they have a really unique system and and they're going out about it a different way than others so i think that'd be another one that people should take a look at 100 percent for me um i already said hedera and i went into them a little bit Hedera is a must-have in your portfolio. Not financial advice. I am not a financial mm-hmm. advisor. I just have to say that. But um, Hedera Hashgraph, for sure, HBAR, is definitely a project that you want to have in your portfolio. And then, so I said, I proposed to Hedera. And my other baby is Ripple. Now, because depending on where you are, XRPs going through this whole SEC lawsuit right now. However, it doesn't change the technology that Ripple offers as a company. 
Uh, they also have the Flare networks integrated to them. So it gives XRP um, Ethereum-like capabilities. So XRP, XRP is a beast of a project. If you don't want to go XRP because of all the scrutiny, Stellar Network is a is a another version of the XRP. Basically, it's almost as good. Um, that's another one to look into as well. They're similar in transaction fees. They're extremely low. Network is extremely fast. But those are other projects that you should probably look into as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um well, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, thank you. Uh, let us know in the comments if you guys want us to do a deep dive into anything else. Uh, or if, if you guys like this, have suggestions, anything like that, let us know. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, follow us on all socials. Share it with yeah. your mom, your dad, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your best friend, <laughs> your dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. The guy, the guy, lady at the coffee shop. Share it with everybody. Everybody. All Appreciate right. you guys. Merry Christmas, by the way. Hope everyone's staying safe, having a good time with their families. And yeah, let's go into the new year with some new perspective. New year, new me. Yeah, new year. All right. <laughs> See you guys next time.